WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week we're talking with Liana Kangas, the artist on Bulk Comics' She Said Destroy, a new sci-fi fantasy series that debuts this week in which the last two living gods use their followers to wage war on each other. Uh, it's a gorgeous-looking series, and uh, Liana was an awesome guest. Uh, in addition to her work, we talk about Avengers Endgame, uh, Free Comic Book Day, go down a real Final Fantasy rabbit hole, uh, talk about New Jersey comic shops, a uh, whole bunch of stuff. Uh, speaking of New Jersey comic shops, uh, this week's warm-up interview is uh, the first of a bunch we recorded at Dewey's Comic City on Free Comic Book Day. Uh, it's with Amy Jackson, who has a Kickstarter out right now for a fantasy anthology project called The Mysterious Cauldron, through Dixie York Press. Uh, we will link to that in the uh, show page online at WMQ Comics. Uh, meanwhile, what is going on over at WMQ Comics? Uh, good stuff, fun stuff, important stuff. Uh, if you read one story on the site this week, please check out Will Nevin's interview with uh, Rachel Reed, a former Oni Press publicist who talks about the Lion Forge merger and uh, its human cost and life after comics in general. Uh, other stuff to check out, Joshua Bermont wrote a piece last week uh, in which he revisited the original Image comics, you know, stuff like Spawn, Young Blood, Savage Dragon, and uh, reevaluated them as an adult in 2019. And uh, Matt Lazowitz's most recent bonus reading centers on some of his favorite Darwin Cook stories. And we've got our regular X-Man of the Week feature, uh, which this week recognizes the Stepford Cuckoos for their work in uh, Sean McGuire and Ron Fergari's Amazing Nightcrawler. Uh, also, if you haven't already, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at WNQ Comics because follower number 600 is getting two passes to Garden State Comic Fest at the end of June. Uh, we have fewer than 30 followers to go, so uh, we're closing that gap fast. Be lucky number 600. Uh, but that's enough for now. Let's get to our guests. Here are me and Matt and Liana and Amy. We have these lovely Save by the Bell, the college year's trading cards. Only three left. Oh, man. <laughs> you were also welcome to not take one if you desire that. Anthony was cleaning out the shop and he found like Batman Forever Pogs or something. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> we might have to see. We might have to ask Anthony how much those would run us. Yeah. Because we, we, we need to find something to replace these once yeah. they are gone. It's, it's got to be the right thing. Uh, when we were, we did a show at Camden last week and that's where we developed this, this gimmick just based on these trading cards. I found in the breast pocket of a coat I was wearing for the first time oh, uh, <laughs> in the spring. And then I found there was a vendor booth that was selling trading cards, and it was like, you know, there were like a bunch of different kind of Batman sets. I think there were like some old ones from the 89 movie, uh, you know, and then there was like Shrek 2. And I was just like, you know, if we're going to keep doing this, this is going to be a thing. It's like, it's got to be like the right kind of something. I feel I, like Batman Pogs would be another, they, they or any kind of Pog. pog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so oh, no. You know what I want? No one's going to have this. Do you remember Skeleton Warriors? Yes. Oh, Skeleton yes, those... Warriors Pogs. Because you know what they, that is? Were... That is the essence of 1995. And they were advertised <laughs> all over Marvel Comics of that year. I exactly. remember that. Wow. Uh, but, but we're doing all the talking here. Uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do. Cool. Um, I am Amy Jackson, uh, late of the Kubert School, been there a couple of years. I do some minor editorial and other administrative work at Dynamite Comics currently. Oh, great. Yeah, and I am half of the Stixie York Project here. You have my little flyer at the table, but... Yes, uh, tell us about that. That's, yes, tell us about that. Yeah, um, that is my husband and I attempting to start sort of a small press comic business, mm -hmm. mostly dealing through crowdfunded efforts because God help us, we're broke. <laughs> uh, but what we've got here for this current project is a small anthology. We're going to have, I think, 40 pages of story and 10 of bonus materials, totaling 50 pages that's how math works okay <laughs> <laughs> of uh, sort of fantasy based stories predominantly written by Marcus one of them is written by me and we've mm -hmm. hired uh, mostly people that we know from the Kubert school I think only people that we know from the Kubert school uh, mm -hmm. and most of whom are local to northern New Jersey I have a friend that moved up to Maine but I think she's the only one outside of this immediate era area that we're hiring okay um and in, ter in terms of the project itself, what kind of stories, uh, it's an anthology, uh, you know, what kind of stories are you guys looking for? Or what kind of stories are you guys, you know, producing? Uh, we're hoping to do it yearly, so we will be looking for stories eventually. Okay. But right now we've got a set of um, sort of all ages, predominantly family-friendly, hmm. 
uh, fantasy themed stories. Okay. We've got one about sort of like a tradesman witch, another about uh, an alchemist that's been turned into a cat and now has to rely entirely on his apprentice because she has thumbs. <laughs> uh, and a lot of that is based on alchemical history and the history of the area and the era that we've set it in. Okay. Um, so Marcus has done a lot of research for that, which doesn't super come out in the story because it's so short. It's eight pages, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one where he's got a little character and the whole world is based around food and the character wants to become the king of soup. So he goes <laughs> on an adventure looking for like the perfect ingredients and sort of gets mixed up in an ogre fight. Okay. Soup and ogres. Yeah. Um, there's another one that's probably the most like horror-based, uh, but it's still more malaise than uh, okay. outright horror. And it's this gentleman whose uh, body is slowly degrading while he's obsessively working for this master that he's got. And the fifth is slipping my mind. Oh. Very happy, and I'm like super happy about the world building. Um, it's sort of like a fantasy themed western, mm -hmm. so uh, sort of D&D &D fantasy where you've got all the races, ogres, uh, dwarves, and it's a, a family of dwarves who runs the local railroad situation, and they have a, the main character is the son of that family, but he's sort of incompetent. Okay. Uh, so it's him and his ogre buddy looking for his missing cousin and sort of like the shenanigans they get into looking for this drunk cousin of his. <laughs> uh, and that's a short summary of all the stories available. Uh, and uh, uh, is this Kickstarter going on now? Yeah, we oh. just launched yesterday. We especially wanted to get it launched so we could come to Free Comic Book Day and shove it down everybody's throats. <laughs> well then, uh, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's get that out there. Uh, how can people uh, find it? Uh, we are Dixie York Press if you look it up on the Kickstarter. I think if you go to kickstarter.com slash projects uh, slash Dixie York Press, you can like pull up the tab, the projects that we've had. It's called The Mysterious Cauldron. Mm -hmm. uh, the actual title of the book probably would have been good to mention earlier. Uh, so The Mysterious Cauldron comic anthology by Dixie York Press is on Kickstarter right now. <laughs> so I guess, tell us a little bit uh, how you, uh, I guess, first got into comics you mentioned going to the Kubert schools uh, you yeah. know what, what, did, what did you kind of come up on before you went into uh, school for uh, illustration I kind of started reading comics I guess when I was little I remember getting Disney Adventures magazine and okay. it had like mm -hmm. bone in it and, wow I remember uh, yeah oh it was so good and then they canceled it I think when I was still in the right age to absorb it and I was really mad uh, so my first uh, big cancellation blow <laughs> Uh, so I remember that, and that was sort of on and off through my childhood, and then when I got to high school, I think kind of retrospectively, I'm <laughs> not proud of it, like I really loved the first round of X-Men movies. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, the first two were great. Yeah, it was like the first <laughs> and the second, I was like, yeah, and then I found out comics, uh, floppies come out every Wednesday, <laughs> and I, you know, was getting to a point where I had an income um, mm -hmm. from part-time jobs, so I would go every Wednesday and buy comics, and I was like hardcore for a while, <laughs> and then I... Uh, did university. Mm -hmm. I kind of fell out of it because the town I went to didn't have a shop at first. Uh -huh. And uh, went through university. I taught overseas for a while. So I have this really big gap of, gap of I didn't really read comics. I didn't really do anything with my art. It was just sort of a side interest that I had. And mm -hmm. then I was teaching overseas and I was like when I go back I'm not gonna have any job prospects so you know what I'm gonna embrace it I love drawing mm -hmm. I love this medium I'm gonna go back to school for it so I did that's awesome um, do you have a so you were reading X-Men for a little bit do you have a favorite story you remember from that time oh, gosh. I was reading in like a really bad time <laughs> Like, I, like, all I can remember, uh -huh. looking back, like, the sticking point in my brain is uh -huh. the Draco was coming oh. out. Oh, well, my poor child. Like, oh. Nightcrawler is my, my favorite, and then the Draco child. was coming out, and it was that whole run yeah. that is, like, notoriously oh. derided now. <laughs> so I have, like, a degree of fondness just because I'm like, oh. The, the thing is that, like, okay, but... Th 
if you can if you could survive that time as i believe yeah. we all did well now yeah. i since have been able to read yeah. a whole lot of like the back catalog sure, and i sure. also was the perfect age for academy x which, okay. which uh-huh. literally got Great decimated book. yeah okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm never not going to be mad about Academy X. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, the Deflips and Weir stuff is phenomenal. I loved yeah. all of those oh, yeah, yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. And then now they're just like, we need a side character to murder. How about one of those? <laughs> Except yeah. the, the young... Rockslide Rock just... Rockslide, Glob Herman, Armor, and Pixie. And all the time. That's it. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Elixir, let's kill them five times. Yeah. yeah. Surge still pops up mostly as a background yeah, character. Which is sad because she would be really cool. Well, you know, everybody I mean, would be really cool. Yeah, credit where credit Prodigy was used to yeah. great effect by Kieran Gillen yeah, in yeah, Young yeah. Avengers. I was really happy when he came back. He when uh America Chavez her her thing, he popped yeah. up there too. Yeah. So whenever David pops up, I'm like, yeah! <laughs> Are you reading by any chance uh Next Gen? It's one of the uh Age of X Men books that's out right now. I've got a few. I think I've read like the first two. I don't remember if the third one's even come out yet. Uh, it yes? just it just came out within the <laughs> okay. last two weeks. I don't know if I'm caught up on everything. <laughs> I'm I thought I wasn't gonna like Age of X Men, but I really do. Where like Uncanny's like mm, for me right now, but like Age of X Men, I'm like this is such a weird concept. I we, I am like okay. a total evangelist for Age of X Men. Yeah, I just, I'm really it's enjoying it. So gosh darn good. I, I mean, if you're a Nightcrawler fan, I love Amazing Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. Well, and then she's got so many callbacks to like Excalibur, yes. which I really yeah. really love too. Excalibur's awesome. <laughs> And I, I mean, right before that came out, speaking, I was the Draco is bad, yeah. not as bad as the one where the evil anti mutant cult was trying to make Nightcrawler poop. Oh yeah, that is the holy war. I think that I've is like compressed that all into like one. Yeah, it is one period of bad, bad <laughs> Nightcrawler. And it, the worst part is, it seems like Chuck Austin really loved that character. Yeah. But he just just mess him up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kill your darlings can only be taken so far. Yeah. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, comic the, books. The golden age. Um, but yeah, no, I I brought up next gen just because it's like that mashup of all those like every sort of young student X character who's been created since like the Morrison era. Yeah, I'm really happy when people remember they exist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think there still might be more of them alive than are left of Generation X. That's true. I mean, I think really. That's really cool. They killed. I mean, they killed skin. It's they Jubilee, killed Jubilee, Husk, and M. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> X Men Y. Oh, and Chamber. And Chamber. Why am I forgetting Chamber? Yeah. Because Chamber was gone for a long time and is now just sort of Mister Incomprehensible Claremont-esque dialect guy. Canny. <laughs> well, yeah, but he was also like head of the Morlocks without yeah. defeating Callisto in combat. Which seems against the rules. It does. It really does. <laughs> but uh, that's awesome. And thank you so much for stopping by the table. Yeah, no problem. W-A-Q-A. So, Liana, we're recording the Monday after Free Comic Book Day. Uh, how did you spend your FCBD? Uh, surprisingly, pretty relaxing. Uh, just because I think it's my second year not working a Free Comic Book Day. So... I kind of chilled and then went to my local shop and dropped a ton of money as per usual. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure I like maybe took a nap. Like, I feel like my previous me was like, you need to take a nap just seeing all those people. Mm. (laughs) I don't uh, miss working. (laughs) You practically were working though. Well, yeah, but that's obsessive compulsive force of habit more than anything else. (laughs) We, we did. Once you work at a shop, you never not work at a shop, I feel like. That's pretty much what it was. We got invited by the shop that Matt worked at for 15 years to, you know, do our little podcast thing. And, you know, you could just see, like, it doesn't leave him. And I definitely watched him, like, straighten a couple of books out. <laughs> <laughs> And th- there was more than one person who, since I was wearing the free comic book day shirt, was asking me questions. And I'm like, uh, I don't oh, work here anymore. you're for it when you're wearing that shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what, uh, what kind of stuff ended up in your, uh, in your haul? I tried to, I actually watched, um, an Instagram video that Robert Wilson posted. Mm-hmm. 
And he had suggested everyone to pick up creator owned. And, you know, seeing as I'm doing a creator owned book right now, Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I I should totally do that. Because typically, like, I'll pick up my pull and a couple other trades, depending on like what's new or whatever each week. Mm -hmm. But this time I like scoured through everything and tried to find a couple. I got the few, uh, which I forget the writer's name, but Hayden Sherman worked on it. And I had just met him recently. And, um, I got the first volume of Doom Patrol, Gerard Way's run, um, just because I haven't really read a ton of it. Mm-hmm. That was the only one that was like DC related. Mm-hmm. Um, I also bought uh, something AD by Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire. Oh, I yeah. yeah. What it's uh, it's, <laughs> oh, my God. After, no, Death Age, no. After AD, AD After Death, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pick that up the hardcover um a couple other things i've kind of lost track <laughs> like <laughs> i just had bought all of my pull and like some other books like two days prior so mm-hmm. i was really kind of scrounging around there <laughs> <laughs> that's great though I, i'm glad you had a, a a fruitful day um curious kind of our typical icebreaker question you know what what do you what comics do you remember reading when you first got into the medium um i think this answer fluctuates depending on what I can remember. (laughs) Uh, I like, I mostly vividly remember picking up like Spider-Man back issues. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to go with that answer. Okay. Mostly. I think that was like, you know, there was a local, you know, the spin rack, um, you know, ones like that in the grocery store. Um, Yeah. That's the only one I can really remember. That's the only one that really stood out, you know, that I might still actually have a copy of. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, But you are here to, uh, you're here promoting uh, She Said Destroy, your new series from Vault. Uh, For for listeners who may not be familiar, uh, give us, you know, tell us a little bit about it. So it's set in the extreme far future in which we don't even tell you how far the future it's set in. And it's essentially about two gods uh, waging a war against each other because one wants the power over the other. She wants to pretty much gain all the power of the gods and remove the last one left. It's Brigid versus the Morrigan. Um, Brigid wants to pretty much take over and um, make all of the Morrigans fae, which are her believers, um, kind of convert them over to her believers and uh, what happens is we run into one of the Fae believers. Her name is Winona. And um, she kind of helps in terms of, uh, you know, surviving this, you know, God war. Uh, she kind of helps her people and tries to survive. I think if I went more into it, it might be a little spoilery. Oh, so. sure. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not, uh, Joe is usually the one that answers that question when we're interviewed. And, uh, I, I'm sure I gave a little bit more, but, um, yeah. Um, and this is, this is your first creator owned series, correct? Yes. That is, creator owned published series. Yes. That is fantastic. Uh, we did get the chance to talk to Joe for a little bit. We were both at a con in, uh, Camden. Uh, the oh, other... Camden Comic Con. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah, no, it's great. It was a great time. Uh, but, uh, you know, we asked him a little bit about the book because I knew we were going to be talking later. But uh, he, he told me, uh, you know, this this project came together uh, pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so he we were talking right after we had met at a Forbidden Planet signing mm-hmm. for the Mine Anthology that he edited. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kept in touch a little bit, and he ended up being my point of contact for someone that I wanted to contact in order to kind of write a story for me for this other anthology called everything is going wrong. Mm. And it was a very personal autobio story. So I kind of used it as a form of kind of like a, a first step or like a practice run right before we, you know, he was, he had brought up, um, she said destroy and asked if I wanted to pitch, I think prior to that. And I was all for it. Mm. And so in the meantime, I was able to get him to help me write this four pager and, um, it kind of stemmed from there. We had talked a lot because he had to get to know me extremely personally <laughs> uh, for the story. And um, yeah, we 
I think right after that, we mailed down all the character designs for She Said Destroy and started speaking to Adrian at Bald about it. So it, it kind of went a little quick. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's... I'm actually uh, drawing the issue five cover today. So it's oh. kind of crazy to think that, you know, it was about a year ago that we started this. So that's awesome. So, you know, you're, you're pretty much, you know, well into the first arc then, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm currently drawing issue three. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the direction it's going. I feel very attached to the characters now. <laughs> so now I'm kind of like, if Joe, Joe, if you like kill off my favorite character, I might murder you. Between, between Brigid and, and the Morgan, and the Morgan, you know, the sun goddess and the death goddess, it's, it's interesting that the first issue is framed from the Morgan's perspective that, you know, we as the reader appear to be made to root for the death goddess, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and we get to know her worshipers more so than, than Brigids who are more, you know, we see the light nights and everything. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like that angle uh, and, and maybe, you know, and by all means by misreading it, you know, <laughs> let me know, but I like the angle that the death goddess appears to be the one that we're supposed to be, you know, be rooting for. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the first concepts that Joe came to me with where I was like, Oh my God. Yes. I can't believe that this hasn't been done before, you know, like, uh, really excited. And honestly, like the more we develop her as a character, the more I'm like, you know, she protects life. She may be the goddess of death, but you know, she covets life and death the same time right so um i think that's the best way we can frame her in a in a positive light besides just protecting her people mm-hmm. or her believers it's like uh you know for, for people who rooted for hella in uh thor ragnarok even though she was you know scenery twir- you know scenery chewing mustache twirling evil <laughs> yes well i mean it's kind of hard not to root for her she's like drop dead gorgeous so <laughs> i think that casting was incredible oh no yeah it was absolutely amazing so good uh, so i i like a lot of the design choices that were made in the book, especially the, the you said yourself, it's set in the sort of far distant future and that, that science fantasy mix, because this using uh, the Morrigan and Brigid, it's would have been easy to sort of do a, you know, old school fantasy sort of vibe. And so it was really cool that to use the, the space chips and all of that i assume that was sort of baked into the initial concept for sure yeah so when we had first started talking about it um you know we were pitching it to vault because vault is a very high fantasy sci-fi publisher Mm -hmm. and joe i don't remember if it was joe or i but um when we both were discussing it we're like what if we did both you know, uh, what if we can make that work? And I am up for any challenge, period. Um, if you've ever met me, I'm like, I'll, I'll try anything once. Um, and when he said that, or when we were discussing it, I was like, we need to at least try. We have to figure out, like, you know, a good mix of how this could work. And, you know, we, we had discussed, you know, all of our fi- favorite video games and movies and stuff like that. And they all are very much sci-fi and fantasy based. So, um, yeah, it was really fun to figure it out and figure out what I wanted to draw for five issues. <laughs> so <laughs> that was also a deciding point too. Uh, in, in looking at those, uh, influences, which, which among you or who among you is the, uh, final fantasy head? We both are. I think that was one of the things we're like, we're going to be best friends because we both <laughs> really like JRPGs in general. So, yeah. but we definitely disagree about which ones uh, our favorites. So, every everyone's everyone's got their their own uh, personal taste. Which which is your favorite in the series? Uh, mine is a it's a toss up between ten and twelve. I can't. Oh. If you if I was allowed to get tattoos as a sixteen year old, I would have like sleeves about final fantasy 10 
Okay. Uh, but thank God I couldn't get tattoos at 16. Um, because my tastes definitely changed. 12 is, I think, my favorite now. But 12 is the MMO, right? Uh, yeah. The okay. weird one where it like kind of turned off turn base ish. Yeah. Where it has like a, a loading time for the turn base. Okay. Very open world. I love it. I just I, I just downloaded a uh, ported seven to the Switch. So Ooh. yeah, I'm I'm reliving the late nineties. <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, seven. Uh, it's a couple of them. I know nine is another one which I'd never played before. So I'm definitely going to go back to that. But uh, my all time uh, in the series is six. I believe that we I requested and like commissioned a friend of a friend to kind of help us with the design of the starship in uh-huh. She Said Destroy. And he had listened to, and I brought this up before in an interview, but uh, he, he listened to one of our interviews or read it, and he was like, hey, just let, to let you guys know, you're both wrong. Final Fantasy VI is the best. And I'm like, dang, I guess I need to play it. Jeez, that's a bold statement. I mean, gra- graphics-wise, obviously, it's a 16-bit game, but I mean, just I think from this... For me, it's the sheer size of the cast, and it just gets very open world in the back half of the game. I love it. Okay, I so, wish they would redo them. Okay, so me as someone who's not really a video game person, mm-hmm. but six is six the one that has the like dystopian back half. Yes, that halfway oh. through that game, the bad guy destroys the world. Okay, because there's a one of the podcasts I listen to, they talk about Final Fantasy on a semi-regular basis, and that sounded fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, now I need to play this even more. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, so uh, I'm, I'm friends with somebody who works for one of the local libraries, and she does uh, Perler Bead art commissions on the side, like huge, elaborate ones. She's got one of uh, Bucky as the Winter Soldier that is amazing. But uh, I I commissioned her to do, and I think it's like almost done. But like this gigantic battle scene from Final Fantasy VI, and I like cannot wait to put it up in the office behind my desk. <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds so time consuming. It's like doing pixel art, but in real life. That yeah, apparently. So stressful. <laughs> yeah, it was done in like pieces. Like she would send me like progress photos every once in a while, and it's just sort of these like square blocks that eventually all come together in the end. That is awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Another of the sort of interesting choices that I found reading that first issue um, is your portrayals of the Fae, since the Fae has a very sort of particular connotation in uh, fantasy between, you know, A Midsummer Night's Dream and the Sandman, and even things up to the the Dresden Files as these sort of regal, imperious figures. And here the Fae are very human. And I'm curious, I mean, is that... Uh, how am I phrasing this? An intentional choice? Yes, but more than... The, but yes, let's run with that as the question and um if the uh uh, follow-up might come to me as you run with that i definitely think joe probably had his reasonings but i also pulled more from like uh i want to say you know 600 ad to you know a thousand ad like type where and then also uh kind of went back to like Turkish fashion and stuff like that. I had no requests from Joe as to whether or not they looked a specific way. And so I picked something that was a bit medieval, but simplified, I guess. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You weren't shooting for the, the Charles Vess, you know, elaborate gown and ruffled Elizabethan collars of the Sandman. Yeah, no. I'm not sure I would have wanted to draw that for, you know, a thousand panels. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'd wait to, that's why Vess only did the two issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, one thing, uh, you know, I love, uh, one thing I loved about the book, I, I feel like, uh, Rebecca Nolte's colors are paired so perfectly, uh, with your art and the overall design. Uh, you know, I love all the, the, the swat soft neons and the swirling pinks and blues. Uh, you know, did you guys spend a lot of time kind of talking out the, the palette of the, of the series? Uh, well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> I always love compliments like that about mine and now her, you know, our collaborative work together. Um, no, we actually, you know, I had seen some of her work prior to, and I didn't realize that it was her work. And I was like, Oh my God, I really love, um, the series that you worked on. Um, and she, I guess was already following me. Uh, so when they suggested Rebecca, I was like, uh, yeah, I feel like this would work perfectly mostly because you know, she doesn't, uh, she requests, you know, like what we wanted, but I kind of was like, you know, I trust you. She knows what she's doing. She is incredibly talented. So I thought it worked out really great. Really, really great. <laughs> uh, and you, you got a back, <clears throat> excuse me, you have a background in color. You've done some coloring work too as well, right? Uh, I've done like flatting for uh, Trina Farrell. Yeah. And um, some like some Marvel stuff and some Blackbird and things like that. Um, I don't typically advertise that, mm-hmm. but I I did the coloring in the series that I just finished up uh, called Devil's Die. Okay. It's through Black Mask. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I've done uh, coloring for most of the anthologies. I think I've done. I've colored my own work. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That's great. Um. You've done you've done a lot of anthology books uh, leading up to this. Uh, you know how has the workload, you know, shifted kind of going from, you know, those shorter stories to to working on a whole series. You know, is it is it kind of, is it like, the same but like more of everything and a little bit you know a little bit more intense or. I think, if you would have asked me this when I was doing devil's die because I was just figuring everything out in terms of being on a series at the same time. And also having had already prior committed to a ton of anthology work. Mm -hmm. So I had to manage my time very specifically in order to get things done and, you know, kind of force feed myself time management skills that I did not know that I needed. Uh, (laughs) So it was interesting to figure that out, especially because I did do, you know, flatting and stuff on the side. Uh, but now that I've kind of started, she said, destroy, I limit myself as to how many things I can work on on the side. Mm-hmm. And I still take anthology work if it's for a charity. And I think now that I have had, I've been really lucky in that all of the editors that I've had, I have really great relationships with. Mm -hmm. So if I end up getting sick or, you know, things like that, it's been really easy for me to like manage, but moving from anthology work straight into the four issue series with devil's die, it was kind of like a, almost like whiplash. Like I had no idea what was going on. I was really grateful in that I was working with Vita, who's also my friend, and Sarah Litt, my editor at the time, who is now also my friend. So they kind of were, in a way, mentoring me uh, throughout the beginning of that, which was really nice. Really, really nice. Yeah. And um, we are, Vita is, Vita is amazing. We are big fans of theirs. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love them so much. Yeah. Words cannot describe. (laughs) I've been reading uh, Vita's Prisoner X book, and it is—it's amazing. That's awesome. I still haven't picked it up. I'm a bad friend. <laughs> <laughs> They've got so much work coming out now. You—you uh, you have to, you know, run with it. I'm—I'm I'm really digging Livewire. Yeah, yeah. I got the first issue of Livewire. I feel like at some point I'm gonna just pull out every single piece of work that they have and then when they come visit I'm just gonna be like hey can you sign all these <laughs> like, <laughs> in like a really weird way um I hope that somebody does that for me one day just kidding um but I heard like I mean from what I've read of Livewire it's been really good and from what I've heard of Prisoner X I'm very excited for that especially that whole like doesn't it kind of tie in with the other 
things going on with Marvel right now. Yeah, well, they, yeah, there's a whole big like X Men crossover going right now, going yeah. on right now, and it's gen like the quality across those books is generally high, but uh, Vita's book is is de definitely one of the best. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to read it. Um, you know, you've also got some marketing in your background. Uh, you know, how are you? Uh, how are you exercising that in uh, promoting this new book? Ooh, <laughs> part of me that's very hard on myself would say I am not exercising any of it. <laughs> um, but I think navigating, you know, with the whole—I uh, wouldn't—I don't want to say broken system, but broken mm -hmm. system of ordering comics and retail, you know, straight to retail and everything like that. Yeah. it's extremely difficult to grasp a consumer mm -hmm. for something that's not going to come out for another, you know, however many months, depending on what the final order cutoff date and all that stuff is. Right. Um, so I've been lucky in that I've made a ton of friends and, uh, you know, look up to a lot of people that now follow me back on Twitter Twitter has been like the most insanely helpful device, tool, whatever, in terms of marketing word of mouth. Um, but in terms of me actually doing anything, you know, Joe and I, obviously we try to reach out to people for interviews and podcasts, which thank you guys so much. Um, and, you know, the vault, crew has been incredible like they made she said destroy the entire branding for all of emerald city uh which was quite a thing to experience by the way <laughs> um vault uh we all went out to see captain marvel the first night because i was like i really need to not have spoilers happen all this weekend so i need to watch it like first night and they were all for it so that was really fun that's great but the crew was like, hey, do you want to go back into the convention center to, like, you know, walk around? And I was like, what? Why? I don't want to go back. I have to go back tomorrow morning. Um, and they're like, yeah, just let's go. And so we went, and apparently during the movie, they had hung up all the banners during Emerald City for the vault uh, marketing. Mm -hmm. And it had the Morrigan on it and stuff. And Tim Daniel definitely watched me cry. A hundred percent. He watched me sob like a baby. It was adorable. Um, and they all, you know, they were all really excited for Joe and I. And that was a really cool moment for Joe and me. So uh, and they do great with marketing, his long story short. And, you know, Joe and I are learning, you know, creator own advertising is kind of difficult. It's a lot of work. So it's uh, a fun learning experience, in my opinion. Tim did the um, the saga homage cover, right, for the uh, first issue. He did with um, Nathan Gooden. Yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> um, you mentioned Captain Marvel in the in the Michigas of you know you know uh, con you know going on going to cons promoting the book drawing the book. Uh, have you gotten to see Endgame? I did. Oh boy, did I cry for three straight hours. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like I'm crying a lot, but really I don't. Um, yeah, that was a very emotional. I didn't realize how emotional it would be for me, but seeing as somebody put this in perspective on a tweet the other day, and I don't remember who it was, but mm -hmm. we have spent 10 years of our lives invested in this um, yeah. entire world building, this and like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. And for it to come to a close is not a great feeling. I don't like it. I don't want it to end. That's a third of my life gone, you know? Like, uh, how did you guys feel about it? It hit pretty much all the notes that I wanted. There were three particular things. Uh, Dan and I are both big cap guys. Mm -hmm. And they hit the three particular notes that I was hoping for mm -hmm. in my own head for Cap. And I think I, I know two of them. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. particularly know when this is going up, so this I don't is, this want... Is going, this is going to go up the week She Said Destroy Number 1 comes out. So it'll have been a month, and it'll probably be the highest grossing movie in American history by then. 
but we could still respect spoilers. <laughs> yeah, the, the pretty big spoiler in my opinion. The, yeah. the very last bit is one of them. That was the big one. Oh yes, yes. The the, the last Agreed. moments of yes. the movie. That was mm-hmm. how I I had said to friends before that that was how I wanted to see that movie end. And when it happened, I was blubbering. Yeah. <laughs> I won't lie. It, it, just, it was such a build. It was such a build yes. to that moment. Uh, you know, the just fact, a, yeah. A You're talking about the ending. Just to get a peek of that was like such a good feeling. Oh, yes. That and without, again, I can kind of do this that y'all y'all get it without anyone who hasn't seen it getting the spoilers but as the the ramp up to the final battle and everything and I'm just watching it's like he's going to say it he's going to say it he's going to say it and then he said it I was like yes he said it he said it he said the thing he said the thing oh gosh <sighs> my part during the battle uh with you know, the thing that happens. <laughs> I was next to two children and I actually yelled, what the fuck, like really loud. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm probably not the only one saying this, so I'm not even going to apologize. <laughs> I mean, I mean, cap curses in the movie. Well, all right. Now I'm now I'm giving spoilers away. But uh... <laughs> how dare you? That was the most important one. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I started crying. <laughs> I Oh my gosh. Uh, I legit was crying like when the Star Wars, uh, you know, preview came on. So, and like didn't stop after that. <laughs> Goosebumps. Goosebumps at that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The second it came out, I think I watched it like 20 minutes after it posted. Mm-hmm. And I was like screaming at everyone, like, oh my God, have you seen it? It's, uh, yeah. You know, it's I good. have a, a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and that problem is Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's only a problem. Uh, I don't know that that was going to be that, that was a setup for a joke at the prequels, but that's an easy target. I, I'm I'm, <laughs> well, I'm going to move past it. Let's forget that part happened. But uh, the day we're recording this, the, uh, the there was a new Spider-Man uh, trailer that came out. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I should have watched it before this. It, it's oh. so funny though because it opens with a couple seconds of Tom Holland going. Look, if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame yet, don't watch this because it's going to address some plot points. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So it's like this weird just confluence of like trailer culture and spoiler culture just sort of mashing heads. Is there more footage of uh, Mysterio? Yes, there is. Yes. My God. Talk about best casting ever. Jesus. Oh, yeah. That's going to be great. Really great. Uh, you know, it's in, it's funny that you know we as you said this has been ten years plus of this, mm-hmm. and we've had this you know sort of regimented plan and sort of knowing where we're going for at least a year or two in advance. And I was like, what are the next the next MCU movies? And this is like, other than Far From Home, we don't know the order in which anything else is coming out or exactly what is and it's like wow oh brave new world that hath such movies in it. yeah they can't not make money right so oh yeah it's exciting that we don't like it's not like a cold turkey off of the content but no still especially yeah. with disney plus coming and they're gonna have four mm. shows set in the mcu at least oh gosh I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, it, four? I, but the, the, the Sam and Bucky show. Right. That one I know. Titled to come. Loki. Loki. Oh, Loki. Loki. Yeah. yeah, I did hear yeah. about that. I forgot about Loki. Because Vision and Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye. I remember yeah. those guys. I'd forgotten Loki. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so not quite good enough to get a movie, but okay enough to get a show. Like, come on. Yeah. I, you know what it is? I, I, I have a feeling it's sort of like these are some placeholders because all the Netflix shows have gone away. Nobody's watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, the the whatever comes next movie wise is probably, you know, still 
not ready to announce or confirm or whatever. Like mm-hmm. maybe the closest to reality is Guardians Three. I have no idea. No, that's going to be far off because James Gunn's contract. He has to do the Suicide Squad first. Oh, good lord! So, <laughs> does no, he? I, yes. Well, at least, <laughs> hey, I'm praying that Gunn redeems. I mean, I love Suicide. Side Squad, the, the comic, not the movie. And I'm really hoping for, you know, James Gunn to do something wacky and Ostrandery with that. To redeem it a tad. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it only needs a little bit redeeming. Just a little. <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, I think the next one we're going to probably get is either going to be after Far From Home is probably going to be Black Panther 2. I mean, we know that that's coming down the pike. That and Doctor Strange 2 are both sort of sitting there. And, I mean, the rumor of now that they have the characters back to be able to either backdoor pilot Namor or the FF in Black Panther 2 is Mm -hmm. actually sort of a lovely symmetry that... Black Panther was introduced in the Fantastic Four, and now they'll be able to start teasing the Fantastic Four in Black Panther 2. It is kind of nice. I could get down with a Wakanda-Atlantis war. That is one of the rumors. The the Wakanda-Atlantis war will be Black Panther 2. What's your dream casting for Namor? Oh, Jesus. King of Atlantis. (laughs) Do you, do you have one in the chamber on this, Liana? Because I, 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 I don't have one in my head. Someone had mentioned the actor that plays Glenn in uh, Walking Dead, and I was like, I could get behind that. Yeah. If he got, like, a little ripped, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Um, oh, God, you're <clears throat> killing me. Give me a minute. I'm going to... Because his name, I can picture him. And his name is completely... Uh, oh, um, uh, Stephen Yun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I, you know, I, my only sadness with him is that that the Chu adaptation where he was supposed to be Tony Chu never got off the ground. Huh. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's yeah. Sucks. It was going to be <laughs> him and Felicia Day and David Tennant. Huh. I mean, it would have been animated. That would have been something else. But I could absolutely see that, and I do. I mean. Be, I would hope that they would cast an actor of Asian descent since Namor is half Atlantean and his father, I can never remember. His mother was Atlantean. Was it? God. I I think it's it's a reverse Aquaman. Okay. Then it's his father's Atlantean. That's why I was thinking, it's like, wait, I'm doing, I'm going Aquaman on this, aren't I? Um, (laughs) His mother was of Japanese descent. Is his last name Mackenzie? Oh God, I could have sworn you're. I now need to again. I mean, that doesn't I, mean anything. That's, that, that, that doesn't mean he has to be Lily White. I, I'm just. I don't know. I could have. I'm just trying to remember because I could have sworn. Oh, again, wait, no, I must be wrong because he's a Golden Age character. There's no way there was a character introduced in the Golden Age who was of any ancestry other than Caucasian. <laughs> Same shit as the Yeah, no, exactly. Except, well, except the green turtle, but he had to keep a mask on the entire time. Oh my god. <laughs> Speaking of dream casting, do you guys have dream casting for any other roles that are like big things being talked about? I keep going round and round on who I want to play the FF. I want. I'm not sure if I have Dreamcast, but I have very specific ideas of how that should be played. And I want, I don't want an FF origin. I want Reed and Sue to be in, uh, to be in their late thirties. I don't want, you know, teen dream Reed and Sue. Mm -hmm. More in the Robert Downey Jr. You know, you, you could get an actor who's, you know, not, terribly young that is one thing with media right now that is kind of crazy is that everything's like the throwback uh nostalgia teen young everything's cast in a young setting yeah yeah even aunt may (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
But with the FF, we saw how well that worked the last time they tried to do it. To have the young FF. That's the Alba one, right? No. Yeah. No, one. no, the, um, the Josh Trank directed one. That was a Miles Teller and, uh, oh my god, who played, Su- was it one of the Maras? Um, Kate Mara? Rooney Mara? It's a bad that I don't know. Oh, yes, okay, I know, yes. No yeah. one saw it. Yeah. So. I, I did see it. <laughs> I just forgot about it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was one of the Maras. You were right. I forgot I mean, about that. The shame of it is Michael Chiklis was perfect casting for the thing, but it was just, the movies themselves just didn't work. But, I mean, you know, he and Chris Evans were well cast. Chris Evans was a great, you know, young, egotistical Johnny Storm. That was the one with Victor Von Doom, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they all freaking have... That's the other thing I want with an FF movie. First movie, no Doom. Yeah. Give me a Mole Man, give me Annihilus. Build towards Doom. There have been four feature films featuring the Fantastic Four. Are you if counting you, the Roger Corman movie that oh, was never I'm released? Counting, yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. Because I have seen it, and it is as awful as you'd expect. So what and, you're saying is you want Doom to be the Thanos of that universe. Even, or just the the, the Joker of the Nolanverse, where you set up the stakes yeah. before you introduce the big villain. Mm-hmm. Because Doom has been in, he was in both of the Michael Chiklis, that FF, he was in the Corman and he was in the Josh Trank. It's like Doom is their, you know, neighbor who's shaking his fist and telling them to get off his lawn. <laughs> up so much. Build towards Doom. I mean, you could introduce maybe Doom in like a flashback to Reed and Ben in college and Doom is there. But I don't want Doom as the big bad in that first movie because... It would just, he is almost a part of the family. He is a fifth member of that cast. And you're Mm going to have a hard enough time introducing the four main members of the FF. When you're throwing Doom in right at the beginning, you're you're taking up too much space. Right. Sure. That makes sense. I keep saying, like, the fact that um, a lot of media has a lot of, teenage young things but we're talking you know i think that instead of even casting like i'm just gonna fan cast a, an entire movie like i want paper girls to be a movie Ooh. desperately oh that would be great i mean that it start it starts out and to be fair i've only read the first volume it's volumes two and three have sat eternally on my to read pile. Oh no! but it starts out like that classic 1980 like kids on bikes solving a mystery Mm-hmm. Like subgenre, it gets wild. Oh, it gets all over the universe wild. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I just read the the new issue last night, and two issues left. It's like, oh, my I heart. I have not caught up. I think I have two issues to read. I will Maybe say I nothing. should wait. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be a the without giving anything away plot wise structure wise the most recent issue the four paper girls are split up through the entire issue so every page is a four panel page tracing each of them through what they're doing oh gosh don't say anything more don't say anything more i won't it just it makes for a fascinatingly structured page and cliff chang hits the art out of the park on it he is amazing i'm currently staring at his wonder woman he drew me and he is so incredible i love him he uh, my i have a a batman characters themed sketchbook Mm -hmm. and i always sort of give the artist the choice i just say you know it's got it it's batman or one of his allies or one of his enemies pick your favorite and go to town nice and when i had the opportunity to for a Cliff Chang to do a piece, I was like, all right, well, he just finished up his run on Green Arrow, Black Canary. So, you know, he drew all the birds of prey in there. Maybe I'll get a bird of prey. He just did Zatanna, and Zatanna's sort of, you know, she and Bruce have that complicated history. And then I, you know, I wandered away, and I, because I was working, because he was doing the appearance at the shop I was working at. Mm -hmm. I came back, and it was Two-Face. 
And oh, it's doubt. a beautiful Two-Face. And it was the first Two-Face I ever got for that in my little project. And I was like, was not expecting it. Love it. Oh, I bet he'd make it super dark looking too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, you know, since we were just talking about uh, Paper Girls, uh, Liana, what else are you reading right now? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Way too much. I just pulled up my poll list and it has Batman, which I am not caught up on at all. That's the one that I like set aside and I'm like, I'll just read it later. Uh, Catwoman, I'm like vaguely ca- caught up on. I love Joel Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, Snack Girl. I like the weird direction it's going. I don't know. I like it. I love Leslie Hung, I think is her name. I love her art. Um, Paper Girls. Uh, saga R.I.P. on the hiatus. Um, yeah. Outcast, um, which, if you didn't know, Paula Azaceda did a She Said Destroy variant Ooh. because I somehow convinced him that we are friends and that I totally <laughs> pulled in a favor for that one. <laughs> he's nice. amazing. He would. He he just did it. He's he's so awesome. Um, Outcast and uh, I have Oblivion song. However, I think I'm behind like five issues. Um, I just finished Fissure by Tim Daniel, and I the artist's name escapes me. That was incredibly gorgeous and super perfect fitting in the trade paperback. Like the story wraps up perfectly, and I cannot recommend it enough. Um, and Wasted Space by uh, Mike Marici and Hayden Sherman. Mm-hmm. I'm also reading that, and that is, I think I'm three issues behind, but they set up an incredible world building. Like, I am very honored to be a part of the Vault team seeing Wasted Space and, like, what they've done with, you know, we're so used to Star Wars and, uh, you know, Blade Runner and stuff like that, and the way that uh mike and hayden create this world it's it's extremely memorable so i really i'm really glad to be you know on that yeah with that publisher my part of my free comic book day haul was the first issue of queen of bad dreams Ooh, nice i love danny yeah which i missed when it came out at my the shop that i shop at now because that was a it was a giant week and i just slipped and i was at the you know my old home and it was like oh they've got one copy left yes that's awesome i totally picked that up and i picked up xena by vita because obviously anything super related to good 90s tv shows i'm into i loved xena as a kid um and i totally picked up thanos by tini howard Mm mm-hmm that Jeff DeCall cover is so gorgeous. I can't wait to read that. Um, shoot. I just picked up Descendant, too, which I don't, I've never read an Aftershock comic, I don't think. But we've had Stephanie Phillips on the podcast, and I, I snagged that myself. It's an interesting first issue. Stephanie seems really cool, so I'm excited to read it. I'm really excited. Uh, Aftershock does have some good stuff out there. Um, I've, I've read uh, Elliot Ray Hall and Jorge Fornes' uh, Hot Love Special. That was amazing. And uh, what did I just read? Oh, uh, Zach Thompson and uh, Arjuna Sassini did a graphic novel called Replacer through Aftershock. That it, It's like biographical horror. And I've heard of that. And yeah. I, feel, I really need to pick that up, too. Um, God, I'm, trying, I'm having a, one of those blanking on the which creator come on yet damn google you're gonna help me um another aftershock also did insects from marguerite bennett and ariel uh christentina christentina thank you i was like yeah. groping for it and it, it's a absolutely stunning victorian lesbian body horror comic hmm. that was it was absolutely fascinating and i mean just christina's art was the, the both the sexiness and the monsteriness of it were 
fascinating counterpoints. That sounds awesome. I feel like I would be interested in that. That's Aftershock as well? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's they did. It's one of their did. launch titles, I think. Yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure they did. They definitely did two trades, but I think they did one like omnibus hardcover of all 11 issues, too. Yeah. The old shop that I went to... Um, unfortunately shut down but they were just in the midst of you know kind of getting smaller indie titles in mm-hmm. um and after it shut down i switched to east side mags and jeff there is amazing but because i've been moving around um my pull list is you know remote so like i i'm really bad about checking every single week and looking to see what's coming out, you know, months ahead of time, looking at previews. So uh, these are good. Uh, this is a good list for me to start <laughs> off with. Okay. So if you were shopping in these side mags, you were up right around where you were living right around where Dan and I grew up. Um, I lived in central Jersey, so it was a little bit of a drive. Ah, okay. Yeah. Good. I live like right near Rutgers. Oh, okay. Then you, uh, yeah. I worked at Princeton for many years. Oh, nice. Princeton's such a nice area, but it is expensive. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's why, you know, worked there for a bunch of years, never lived there. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, you know, bought a house down in South Jersey because, yeah, Princeton was not going to happen. How south? Are you, like, closer to Philly? Um, you can, if there weren't a block of houses, you could see the Betsy Ross Bridge from my house. It's less than five minutes away. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you must yeah. be near the Dynamite offices. Yeah, I believe I am. Oh, that's rad. That's really cool. That's one thing that I regretted was not seeing more Philly shops when uh, when I lived there. Or visiting Philly in general, honestly. Yeah, it, it gets away from me. I mean, I work... I live right near Cherry Hill and then work on the other side of Philadelphia. So I drive through the city more than I spend time there. Oh gosh. That sounds like a, like horror commute. Well, I mean, it's, I'm able to avoid, I don't avoid driving through the city proper. I just sort of drive around the highway around the city, but it's still awful. But I also work (laughs) off hours. I work eight to four. So I'm able to avoid the worst of the traffic. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, you're about to. You've got a. You got a store tour coming up to promote the uh, promote. She said destroy. Right. We do. Thank you for bringing that up. I totally <laughs> would have forgotten. Yeah. So Joe and I are actually driving. It's our Midwest tour for signing issues one and two for she. She said destroy, and we will be hitting up St. Louis, I believe Naperville. Chicago and maybe um, Indianapolis. Very nice. Yeah, very excited. We're doing two signings in Chicago, I think. So, yeah, uh, end of June, if anyone's interested, we'll have some info coming out soon. Um, And I will also personally be at Heroes Con this year. Okay. Yeah. Any other uh, any other cons on the uh, on the schedule? October, uh, I will be at Memphis Comic Expo. I'm actually a guest, and so is Vita. Nice. And so is Chris Claremont and um, Robbie Rodriguez, which is really cool. Uh, that is Baltimore Comic Con weekend, which is I believe the 17th and 18th of October. Um, those dates might be wrong. You might have to fact check me. Um, <laughs> I get it, because that, yeah, it is. That's late this year. Yeah, I thought Baltimore was usually September. It's usually, because it usually overlaps with the opening weekend of whatever theater I'm working at at that time. <laughs> but now it's just overlapping with Amber's birthday. So, still not going to happen. <laughs> I'm still waiting to hear back from uh, New York Comic Con. So, I'm hoping to make it out there, too. But... It would be nice to go back for a little bit. See Erica Schultz. We saw Erica just at Free Comic Book Day. We were at the same shop, and she was You're showing. Dewey's? Yeah, oh, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, I, nice. I worked at Dewey's for 15 years. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yep, 2000 to 2015. I was a uh, I was a student at Drew, and Dan gave me a job, and then he couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's that sounds about right. <laughs> but she was uh, Erica was showing us pictures from like her Kickstarter, and it was just it was like alien lobsters fighting a race of butter people. Butter, yes. So I'm actually coloring that book as well with uh, Matt Emmons and Gab Contreras. Uh, that was a fun side project. Erica believes in me and my colors for some reason. And I truly enjoyed looking at those pages. Claire Connolly can draw the most wild shit. Like <laughs> looking at lobsters and butter murdering each other. It's like a masterpiece. It, it was it was amazing. You should have seen my face. I was just like <laughs> uh, eyes agape, jaw dropped the whole time. It it was it was amazing. Uh, that was your same reaction for She Said Destroy too, right? Yes, one hundred percent. Good, great, <laughs> perfect. Oh man, uh, as we are as we are wrapping up, how can people follow you online? Uh, you know, get get updates on the book, your tour schedule, and all that. Uh, yes, best best, best ways way, to follow you online. <laughs> best way is definitely Twitter. Uh, it's at Liana Kangas, L I A N A K A N G A S. Um, same with my Instagram. I vaguely update that as much as I can, just cause you know, the algorithm, <laughs> um, and yeah, mostly Twitter. Twitter's pretty much the best. It's a beast. All right, Liana, thank you so much. This was a ton of fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, you guys were really fun to talk to you. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, and a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. Big thanks to our first and foremost patron, Steve Morris from Shelf Dust and the MNT. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox. Uh, finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views, and we'll see you next time. WMQA!